Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope y'all had an amazing Fan flipping tabulous weekend. We are back with five more episodes here this week, and we kick it off here with NBA Finals Game 3 coverage here on the podcast. I also want to laugh at something that happened to me over the weekend uh, with going viral on Twitter, where we now have 1.6 million interactions on a tweet that we had that got reposted by Sports Center and all of the seven or eight major NBA meme pages. So that was a crazy story over the weekend. We'll get to that at the very end of the podcast. But, and, well, also, actually, let me mention that we are also live in Colorado for Home Run Derby, uh, which is, just means I bought tickets to Home Run Derby. But we will have full coverage from that coming up later on in the week with MLB All-Star Game going the way that it has gone. So, Stay tuned for coverage on that. But today is all about the NBA Finals. Game 3 with the Milwaukee Bucks finally doing the thing that we've all been waiting for the Milwaukee Bucks to do, which is finally get out of their own way. Finally, finally the Milwaukee Bucks got out of their own way. So we'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks getting out of their own way. There were four main points where the Milwaukee Bucks finally got out of their own way. And not just Drew Holiday shooting slightly better. Because Drew Holiday was still really bad. And the Bucks started the game when they were down 7 in the second quarter to Phoenix. They were shooting 2 for 11 from the 3-point line. Uh, Bryn Forbes was playing terrible. They, their bench was like 0 for 4 from the field. Giannis had double-digit points, but Middleton was like... Middleton was doing good, too, at the beginning, but Drew Holiday took, like, five threes and hit one, and P.J. Tucker had two points, and Brooke Lopez had four points and four rebounds. Like, it, it was going very poorly for Milwaukee, like, more of the same for the Bucks, and then they, you know, outscored him by, like, 30 points after that because of four reasons that I want to get to here of the Bucks getting out of their own way. Number one, Got DeAndre Ayton into foul trouble. DeAndre, So they came into this game after Michael Bridges had 27 points in the last game. They basically came in and said, okay, we're going to take away Michael Bridges. We're going to try and take away Devin Booker. And we're just going to single-handedly, we're just going to single out Brooke Lopez on an island with DeAndre Ayton and take our chances like what happened in game one. And DeAndre Ayton started out with 16 points on 7 of 8 shooting to start the game. And this was with like halfway through the second quarter. Ayton had 16 points. It looked like he was on his way to another historic game. 
and Giannis and Chris Middleton just basically just started diving right at him. Just drive in the lane, get Aiton in foul trouble, bully ball, get Giannis to the line. And I know, like, obviously free throws are, are part of it, but it was just so strange to see Giannis play the way that he did and get to the free throw line and shoot 78% at the foul line. 13 for 17 at the foul line, 78% for Giannis Antetokounmpo. So it's amazing how he got out of his head when people stopped counting for him and he had the support of Milwaukee behind him, which is what we expect. Giannis is a 71% free throw shooter. He's shot 61% in the playoffs. At some point he was going to progress to the mean with his free throw shooting, and this was part of that. He shot 13 of 17 from the foul line tonight. Middleton got to the foul line, and DeAndre Ayton, who had 16 points to start the game, finished with 18 and fouled out with about nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. So finally, 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 the Milwaukee Bucks got DeAndre Ayton into foul trouble. By the way, DeAndre Ayton shot three shots the remainder of the game after that seven for eight start where they just put Brooke Lopez on an island. They guarded Michael Bridges to a T. Michael Bridges only took four shots in the entire game and did not hit a single three-pointer. Just four points for Michael Bridges. And I don't know if this was their defensive effort or what, but Devin Booker finally regressed to the mean. And all of this goes together. Like, we'll get to point two of how the Bucks got out of their own way in a second. But they focused in on Michael Bridges and got DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble and executed that game plan to a T while Giannis went berserk. And this is point two, how the Milwaukee Bucks got out of their own way. Let Giannis Antetokounmpo drive and draw fouls. Giannis Antetokounmpo may be a bad free throw shooter, but having him settle on mid-range jumpers and taking him out of the offense, you will never win that way. You have to take your chances with Giannis driving and getting Aiton and Jay Crowder into foul trouble. And finally, the Bucks took advantage of that. They went on the fast break quite a bit. They got Giannis to go downhill and body some people up. And Giannis finished with 42 points in just 38 minutes. Correct that. 41 points, 13 rebounds for Giannis Antetokounmpo, shooting 60% from the field. It is only the second time in NBA Finals history that a player has scored 40 or more points in back-to-back games, only topped by Shaquille O'Neal. That might be 40 and 10, now that I think about it. It might be 40 and 10. But Giannis and Shaquille O'Neal, those are your numbers. And Giannis is doing this with what can only be described as just a medical miracle. Like, the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo is healthy right now is just simply a medical miracle. And the Bucks end up dominating their way to a victory behind those 41 points for Giannis, who basically got to sit the last seven minutes of the game. Like, this is the Milwaukee Bucks offense that dominated the league for two years with the best regular season record of any team in the NBA across 2019 and 2020. We saw a little less of it in 2021 as they deferred a little bit, let Giannis shoot more threes to kind of spread out the offense. But this was the dominant Milwaukee Bucks offense of the last two seasons was exactly how they executed today. Even in a game where Drew Holiday, you know, he got better towards the end. Drew Holiday finished the game with four consecutive three-pointers which helped, you know, obviously seal the game and regress, progress to the mean. Sorry, progress to the mean. Um, but they, you know, they, they got out of their way. They let Giannis dominate the game more than they normally would. Number three, force turnovers of the non-Chris Paul Phoenix Suns. 
and the Phoenix Suns had basically been given free reign throughout much of the playoffs so far. And one of the ways that they had corrected this defensively was to have Drew Holiday single out Devin Booker, and it just was not effective. Like, one of the things we talked about after Game 2 with our friend House of Phoenix Suns was that the the Suns were getting buckets, like, automatic. Like, every time it felt like the, the Bucks inched closer, the Suns had a basket. Every time they got it within seven, Chris Paul would hit a shot. Devin Booker would hit a shot. Every time they had an, an answer, there was a response. It felt like every single time. And... What was so fascinating was the Milwaukee Bucks basically giving free reign to Devin Booker to go one-on-one ISO with the mid-range jumper. And Devin Booker played truly terrible. Like, this is just a regression to the mean that we would expect. Like, one of the things I had been most surprised about was that Chris Paul was a guy who's, like, averaged 34 points a game in the last three games that the Suns won. Game 6 against the Clippers game one against the Bucks and game two against the Bucks. Like he averaged like 33 points and Devin Booker was averaging like 28 points a game. And I don't expect Devin Booker and Chris Paul to be those type of players. I expect them to be all-stars, but I expect them to regress to the mean at some point. While Chris Paul didn't regress to the mean, like Chris Paul shot eight of 14, um, hit a few three-pointers. Like Chris Paul played an above average game by Chris Paul standards. Both of them had just been going so nuclear in the last three games that I didn't know what to make of what they were doing and and Chris Paul being a finals MVP. And so Devin Booker played terribly. I I genuinely like I watched the game and was kind of bouncing around downtown Denver for parts of it, but I genuinely can't tell if it was like the the Bucks did something better defensively or the Phoenix Suns just the Phoenix Suns ended up you know, just shooting really, really poorly. Like, I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that question after watching it. But it was obviously effective because Devin Booker played awful. He had 10 points, shot 1 of 7 from 3, shot 3 of 14, which is 22% from the field. Shot 22% from the field. The Suns were minus 5 in turnovers, so the Bucks forced 5 more turnovers over them. And the Milwaukee Bucks were plus 14 in the paint. Which, by the way, the Milwaukee Bucks have dominated the paint in other games. It's where the Milwaukee Bucks make their money. Is Giannis being bigger, stronger, faster than everyone on the floor. But Phoenix lives in that mid-range game. And Devin Booker on mid-range jumpers tonight was like below 70%. He hit three free throws, but he only hit two shots from the mid-range tonight. And took, you know, six attempts and missed a layup. But Devin Booker taking those shots. And it's not like they were terrible. Like, I think part of it also is Milwaukee got a lot of second chance points. And Milwaukee, you know, out-rebounded them. Plus seven on the offensive rebounds, by the way, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, we'll talk about this part a little more with House of Phoenix Suns and what happened with Devin Booker. But I genuinely don't know what happened defensively there. So that's point number three. And point number four of getting out of their own way was let Chris Middleton work his ISO game. I'm sorry, not work his ISO game. Let Chris Middleton get to the free throw line because Chris Middleton has taken three free throws in the entire series. And Chris Middleton didn't have a great game. Like Giannis dominated. They didn't need Chris Middleton to be awesome. And part of that also was, you know, P.J. Tucker coming back to life again after P.J. Tucker's game became totally obsolete because he's a corner three-point shooter, beneficiary of ball movement, 
and a defensive player. Well, now he can't guard the best defensive players in the league. And with the ISO offense, the Bucks run, P.J. Tucker's just totally obsolete. P.J. Tucker had a pretty good game. Like, P.J. Tucker hit a corner three. He had seven points when he's been averaging slightly less than that for the series. Bobby Portis took a lot of shots, but, you know, volume shooter Bobby Portis had an average game. And the Milwaukee Bucks... Obviously, Giannis was the guy who carried, and they, you know, it was a, it was almost the exact same game. Like, Chris Middleton shot a little better, and Drew Holiday picked up at the end, but for about three quarters, it was about the same game that we saw in game number two, where Giannis went berserk, had 20 points in three quarters. Giannis also broke the record for, um, let me make sure I have this stat right from the broadcast. Giannis had... In three quarters of a game, having 30 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. The only players to do that are Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, which, you know, just hearing those names together just makes me feel wonderful because you guys know that I am a diehard Giannis stan. So hearing those stats makes me feel good. But at the same time, Giannis Antetokounmpo finds himself in in a position where he does... Like, even the 41-point games couldn't beat the Suns' big three having 81 points. And I think the biggest difference over this game besides Drew Holiday hitting four threes in a 16-0 run back in the second half was Devin Booker and Chris Paul not being awesome. Like, after scoring 81 points between the three best three, so game one, we talked about this, game one, Aiton, Booker, and Chris Paul and again, we've talked about the four points already about what the Bucks did to get out of their own way. From the Phoenix side, they had 81 points in Game 1 between Booker, CP3, and Devin Booker. In Game 2, they had 81 points between Bridges, CP3, and Devin Booker. And in Game 3, between CP3, Devin Booker, and um, I guess we could say Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was their third leading scorer. Well, let's say DeAndre Ayton. They had the same amount of points. By the way, Jay Crowder, six three-pointers tonight. Um, we made jokes back in games one and two that when your offense starts running through Brooke Lopez, you're kind of screwed. Um, when your offense starts running through Jay Crowder, all of a sudden it's the same kind of thing. Like when you see Jay Crowder trying to take all these shots, it's like, oh, okay, this game is, this game is toast. Um, but anyways, um, Jay Crowder, 18 points, good for him. So CP3, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton had between the three of them, 47 points. So the Suns go from simply like the Suns lose that game because the same way they had in game two, um, they had 81 points between the three of them. They had 47 tonight. The difference there is 34 points. They lose by 20 tonight. Please tell me they won by 14 in game two. That would just make my day right now. Now they won by 10. So, you know, that's a 30 point swing they had a 34 point swing between their star players so basically the Suns shoot themselves out of the game and the Bucks don't shoot themselves out of the game like they did in game one where Giannis got gassed so for the Phoenix side let's pause right here we'll put a cap in it and come back around probably in a few days towards Milwaukee's side of it because there will be much more to discuss um but let's put a pin in it right there and swing things over with our friend House of Phoenix Suns, who you should follow on Instagram. He's a great follow as well. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms, and I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck 
do, cause now we got Drew said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I'm sorry about 19 and 20. But that don't mean I can't get you there. Cause I'm 26. I got two MVPs. The way I play the game ain't fair. I pity the heat for not getting James Harden. Should have traded Tyler Hero. I got blocked by Bam Adebayo. I got some news for you. Bryn Forbes hit six threes in game two. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms. I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew. Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you. Hello? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? Uh, not as good as the past few times I've been on here, but I'm doing all right. Well, that is understandable. And, and we've got a lot to look at because, you know, I, I felt like this is something that could happen. But at the same time, Chris Paul and Devin Booker had just been so good for like three straight games that I was like, wait, is this the new normal? Like, are Chris Paul and Devin Booker ascending to superstar levels? And then they finally regressed to the mean. I was like, I knew it. I knew they were going to fall at some point. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, I mean, we've had games like that before. Like, the Clippers, I think it was game five. We had an abysmal performance. We played terrible. So, like I said, we just need to win one away, and we'll we'll be good. So, obviously, it wasn't game three. But I'm hoping game four will be a lot better. So, I mean, just just for your own sake right now, let's let's take Devin Booker and put him to the side right now because Devin Booker was just terrible. But we've seen Devin Booker play like this before. So if we take Devin Booker to the side. Other than that, like the Bucks, the thing that I took away from game three was that the Bucks finally got out of their own way. Like they dared DeAndre Ayton to take over on Brooke Lopez. They just left Brooke Lopez on an island with Ayton, and Ayton had like 16 points in like the first, like what, 14 minutes of the game or something, or 14 minutes that he played. And yeah, he was playing well. Yeah, he, he shot like seven of eight from the field and was hitting like 12-foot jumpers. And it was like, wow, DeAndre Ayton's the best player on the floor. And then they got Aiton in foul trouble and it was like night and day between what Aiton was in the first like 12 minutes and what he was the last 20 minutes of the game. Once he got in foul trouble. Yeah. And then you have Frank Kaminsky playing over two minutes because two minutes is as much as he should be playing. And then he goes and plays, I think like 10, 12 minutes. And I remember looking at it, the three minutes. So he played three minutes in the first half or the first quarter. It might've been. And he was negative seven, the worst out of any Suns player in the plus or minus. And I was like, how is this possible? He's played three minutes. It can't be that bad. And it was just really bad. Whenever he, whenever Aiton wasn't on the floor, we played terribly. Yeah, for sure. And this is the interesting part about the Suns 
after that was Aiton got to, I think, three fouls right before halftime. And then after that, I was it was like Aiton was not aggressive offensively because he couldn't take an offensive foul. Um, Giannis kept driving. They kept just picking apart Giannis with him. And I don't know. It was like Aiton kind of like fell apart. But this is the thing I've been saying all series is like, attack Aiton, get Aiton in foul trouble. It's okay if Giannis goes to the free throw line as long as Aiton and Jay Crowder start getting into foul trouble because obviously, you know, the, 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 as we've talked about going back to the Nuggets series, the Suns were already like thin in the front court. I'm sorry, yeah. thin in the back court. Yeah. And that's the same now. It's even more so. So I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I'm not too upset about today's game considering, I mean, we're still up in the series, but if we lose the next one, then I'm going to really start to worry because we're, we're bound to have games like this. So, yeah. and we're, we bounce back. We're, we're a bounce back team. I, I like to, I like to think. So I'm not too upset. And as you talked about, Devin Booker was terrible. It, it was like the 10th time in four seasons that he scored under 10 points. So he, he, he will be better in game four. Bucks. I'm assuming they'll do the exact same thing that they did. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton showed up today, so fair play to them. They're making three-pointers like crazy, especially Drew Holiday. My goodness. Well, um, that was the other thing, is that the Suns were right in the game the whole way until Drew Holiday hit like three straight threes during that 16-0 run, and then it was like, okay, now it's pretty much yeah, over. Yeah, we got it within four, and then we ended the quarter like down 20. I was like, what the? How did yeah. that happen? Because Drew Holiday finally started hitting shots. Like, everything was going the exact – I mean, other than the Suns weren't scoring at the rate they did. Like, the second quarter of last game was the one where they, like, outscored the Bucks by, like, 15. Or was that game one? That was game one. They outscored the Bucks by, like, 15 and then played even the rest of the way. And they yeah. never really came back. This one was the same exact thing where I think the Bucks shot, like, two for 12 to start the third – or start the game from three-point range – but the Suns weren't scoring at the rate that they typically did. And mm-hmm. you know that that um that magical 81 rule where we've been talking about where the Suns' best three players scored 81 in each of the first two games? Uh-huh. Uh, in this game, CP3, Booker, and DeAndre Ayton had 47 points, which is Holy a 34-point swing. And ironically, they won game two by 10 points and lost game three by 20 points. So the Bucks played about the same as they did in the last two games. Yeah, It was just the Suns offensively couldn't generate enough points. And another thing I wanted to ask you about later on, but we can go to it now, is could you tell if it was like the Bucks playing good defense or the Suns just playing poorly? Like I was watching the whole way and I couldn't tell if it was just Devin Booker playing poorly or if the, you know, the Bucks did anything different other than they didn't let Michael Bridges stay open. Like they guarded Michael Bridges really well. I think he only took like four shots, but they basically let DeAndre Ayton do whatever he wanted and said, we're going to take away Michael Bridges this time. But I don't, I don't know. Do you think that it was like something they did defensively or just Booker played poorly as Booker is sometimes like able to do? I mean, yeah. If you look at, at the shot selection from Booker, it was just terrible. Like, yes, some some of it was good Bucks defense because, like, they're right up on him already because he's dribbling, and then he just pulls up and shoots. So it's not like he's trying to get open or anything, and he just kind of pulled up for random shots where he he was not open at all that he doesn't usually take. I don't know what 
he thought was going on when he can easily just pass it to Chris Paul and then get open, get an open shot where your, your feet are set and whatnot. He was just shooting out of rhythm, ill-advised shots. So I'll give credit to the Bucks defense that I guess you could say they put him in that situation, but I think it's more Devin Booker just making poor decisions and shooting when he didn't need to shoot. He, he should have just done what he did in the other two games that he, he didn't take those shots just out of the blue or anything like that. Well, this is the part that's difficult because we don't think of Devin Booker as someone who's like needs to get you a bucket. He'll get you a bucket. But each of the last two games, we like called upon Devin Booker and we're like, okay, every time it got to like seven Booker had a response. Every time it got to five Booker would hit a jumper in Chris Middleton's mouth. Like every single time it got close, it felt like Booker or Chris Paul had an answer. And tonight it wasn't that tonight was, you know, they would hit a bucket and then, you know, they'd settled for a bad shot and then the Bucks would go down and hit another shot and then they'd turn the ball over or the Bucks would get an offensive rebound or whatever it was. Like it was very much a different feel, which is kind of why it went into garbage time by like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter when he yeah. fouled out. Yeah. And like going back, back to the shot selection and like, I, I, I just don't know what it was. I, I, I could argue that game two, some of those shots that Booker was making and Chris Paul were making is that, like those shots were harder than the shots that they had today, but we just couldn't make them. I, Which, I don't know. To where be it was. fair, like we we kind of expect that though. Like Chris Paul and Devin Booker were averaging. I think Chris Paul, like games. I think I saw this game six of the Western Conference Finals, game one of the finals, and game two of the finals. I think Chris Paul was averaging like thirty three points a game, and and we don't expect that from Chris yeah, Paul. Yeah, of course not. Like we don't expect that level of production from Chris Paul, but it's the Chris Paul that we'd been seeing, and this felt like okay, this was the Suns that we'd seen all year where, you know, they're going to regress at some point. But yeah. to have it be as dramatic as it was for Devin Booker was shocking. Chris Paul didn't play poorly. Like, Chris Paul played no. above average. Like, he had 19 points and shot over 50% from the field. Yeah, but... and, and that's all you want from Chris Paul. Like, I'll take that every day. If I had to pick Chris Paul to do that every single game, I'd take it just so he doesn't get any worse. But doesn't get any better. 19 points is perfect for me. Yeah, especially when Jay Crowder hit six threes, which exactly. was weird. Like, out of all of this, like, all of a sudden, they just started running the offense through Jay Crowder. It just made no sense. And and that's what makes me mad. I mean, a game that we we win, he scores one point, and then now a game that we don't really need him to score because we're already down a lot. He decides to make the three-pointers that he's been missing this whole series. <laughs> like, well, really, was, you couldn't have saved those for game four? But it was also a night where Booker, I mean, if you take away like the free throws Booker had, which also he should have gotten to the free throw line more instead of settling for exactly. three pointers. Yes. Like if you take that away, him and Bridges combined for like 11 points. So it was yeah. kind of like, okay, Jay Crowder time, which I, I don't know. I, let me ask you this. Do you think like Monty Williams like lost faith as the game went on in, in Booker and Bridges? Or was I it mean, just like they kind of just bailed and said, we'll come back in three days? I think so. Yeah, I mean Booker. I don't think he played the fourth quarter quarter at all. I think he played half, maybe half of the third quarter. And I saw Monty talking to to Booker there on the bench, and I I think it was more kind of just a rest thing because, as you mentioned before in the podcast, is that he had he was like the second most minutes out of anyone in the playoffs. So he wasn't playing well, and so you might as well just give him a break. He's not he's hurting the team, you could say, by the shots he's taking and by not doing a whole lot. So you might as well take him out. 
give him a break. By the way, also just for numbers, for, for reference, Devin Booker finished with 29 minutes when he'd been averaging about 41 in the series. So there you go, 12 minutes short of the average since the fourth quarter. Um, and Michael Bridges finished with 27 minutes when he'd been averaging like 36 in the series. Yeah, so it, it, it might have just been a thing where the, like Monty just gave up on the game and was like, okay, we don't yeah, need to win to this the, one. Went to the load management roster. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't need to win this one as long as we win the next one. So I'm I'm guessing Monty was thinking, yeah, like this one's gone. We'll be ready for the next one. And then I take it in five is, I guess, his his mentality. And we'll see if it pays off because today, it, like, it just didn't happen. Whatever Monty was trying to do, it didn't happen. Players didn't seem to have the same kind of energy, same focus as they did in the previous two games. Maybe they got a little too comfortable that they're up to nothing. But, I mean, this happened in the Clippers series. We were up to nothing. And then we lost game three. And here we are. Then we took it to 3-1, then 3-2, and then we won. So hopefully that's that was my prediction from the start. And hopefully that comes true again. Yeah, because again, like you can punt. It's the same thing that happened to the Bucks. Like you can punt on this game as long as you win Game Four, and even if the Suns lose Game Four, like all then it becomes a best of three, and and they're yeah. still they're still okay. Like they're still just as good as the Bucks. It's just the Bucks have, you know, that crazy number thirty four who can score forty points every single night for the yeah. first time scoring forty and ten in back to back finals games since Shaq. Yeah, and he he was making me angry, but <laughs> I mean, I would rather. <laughs> I would rather lose by 20 than lose by one. So, there you fair. Go. That's fair. I mean, yeah, because if it's one, you know you were kind of in it, which was weird because they were in it for a little bit, and then there was the yeah. 16-0 run, and it's like, all right, let's, let's just let's regroup and come back on Wednesday. But it was so I think, strange. I think losing by one hurts you more mentally than losing by 20 because, like, it's just like, oh, you're thinking about, oh, if I made this shot, yada, yada, yada. But And so you're blaming – like maybe one or two specific people, but this game you could blame everybody. Like, yes, you could put most of the blame on Booker, but he wasn't the only one who didn't do anything. No, Bridges, again, Bridges had like four points on four shots. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Which that one, I think, that one just watching it, give credit to the Bucks defense. Like they basically yeah, said, course. we're going to take away Bridges after he had 27. But the compromise there is they left Brooke Lopez on an island with DeAndre Ayton and Aiton was killing him early on in the game. And I think had, you know, a cut Booker gotten to the free throw line more and had Chris Paul, you know, maybe hit a couple of three pointers here and there. Cause he only, I think he only hit like one three pointer in the game, Yeah, but Probably. you know, if few things go right here and there, they're up like 13 in the second quarter. And all of a sudden we've got a game going into the third. So I think the game plan wasn't wrong. I think it's just like really bad execution by a few of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And I mean, it took two games for the Bucks to get it right, to get their game plan right. Yeah. yeah. And and now hopefully Monty can cut that in half and get it right in one game. Um, but if not, I'm sure he'll get it right the next game. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. If we do go back to Phoenix 2-2, I'm, I'm pretty confident still still that we we can take it to three two and and the thing you talked about just before it which reminded me of something i say in football all the time is like when you have a 35 nothing game you learn nothing from it like you can't take away anything from anyone when it's like a 35 point blowout by a team or like the 
I think it was like the Buccaneers got killed by the Saints one time. I was like, okay, we learned nothing from this game at all from either team. Like, yeah, it's don't don't use this as like the the point of reference for the rest of the series unless the Bucks come with the same strategy and let Aiton kind of live on an island. But other than that, like, I don't think there's that much that's like, okay, this is this is like cataclysmic for the Suns. It's like, no, it was, it was working all right. They just, you know, they didn't execute very well. Yeah. Like assume, assuming Booker makes his normal rate of shots. Right. We, we would well, have tied the game at Drew, one point. Yeah. Maybe Drew holiday doesn't hit three straight threes yeah. and finally progress to his average and yeah, not was, shoot 26 from three. It was a mixture of Suns playing bad. And of course you've got to give credit to the Bucks for playing well. And when that happens, when you get a mixture of like that, something bad is going to happen for one team and something good is going to happen for the other. Yeah, so that, was my, disaster. Yeah, that was my big takeaway was just the Bucks finally got out of their own way because they finally started getting aggressive, let Giannis get to the free throw line. That was the other thing. Giannis shot like 78% at the foul oh, line. Yeah. Which... And that was making me mad as well. <laughs> Well, because they, they, they're not counting anymore. <laughs> like, that's uh-huh. the thing people don't realize. Giannis isn't that bad of a free throw shooter. He shoots 71% from the free throw line and I think 61% in the playoffs. Like, he's bad, but he's not that bad. And he at some point, he was going to have a great game like that where, he, you know, he got to the line, I think, like 17 times. And as a team, they shot like 24 free throws. So, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much him the entire time, which – by the way, this is another thing that's been shocking. Like Chris Middleton has taken five free throws. Like Chris Middleton, ninety percent free throw shooter, has taken five taking... free throws. Wow, that's crazy! In, in, in the entire that. series, in three games, he's taken five free throws. Gee whiz! Like yeah. that—that's crazy. Yeah, so he's <laughs> settling for bad shots because uh, I, I can't. I don't even is Booker guarding him. I feel like Booker's guarding him for most yeah. of the series. Or Bridges, yeah, I, that, I, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. Um, but. Another thing that I, I thought was interesting, um, not that I'm blaming the refs or anything, but Chris Paul is 0 for 12 with Scott Foster as the referee. Yes, but then I can counter the other way and say that um, in games where the series is 0-2 and the team at home is down 0-2 going into game three, so like the situation the Bucks were in, uh-huh. it's happened 11 times since 2000, and now those teams are 6-6. Six and six. After the Bucks win tonight, they are six and six in those 12 games. So I can counter and say the myth about the NBA wants to extend the series is not quite as true as it seems. Yeah, so it's always very difficult. But yes, the Scott Foster, Chris Paul thing is kind of kind of weird. Kind yeah, of weird. I, I mean, today it was I had nothing to do with the refs. So I, I, I yeah, no, the 20 point I, I, loss. That's that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not on Scott Foster at all. <laughs> no matter what anybody says, I, I don't buy that it was the ref or that the NBA wanted to extend the games. No, the Bucks won today. Deservedly, there was nothing sus about today. <laughs> yeah, that certain point, you just kind of got to write it off and say, hey, you know, Jay Crowder was our second leading scorer. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost um, their leading scorer. Yeah. <laughs> I, no one scored more than 20 for the Suns in the game, which was yeah. kind of strange. And, and if someone would have scored 30, we would have won. And that's, that's how it goes. Yep. Whether it's Booker or Jay Crowder, which <laughs> I had made the same joke in game one, which is when your offense starts running through Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, you're kind of in trouble. <laughs> 
that was the same thing I noticed for the Suns. Like when the offense starts running through Jay Crowder, yeah, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, that's not something bad is gonna happen. <laughs> Or something bad is happening. Like, for some reason, why is Devin Booker not getting the ball? Or why is yeah. Michael Bridges not getting the ball? So. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, my friend, for a late night staying up with me to talk about Game 3. Even if you, it, you There was reluctance to talk about Game 3 because, woof, that was bad for your sons. Yeah, I'm always excited to come on here after we win. And, of course, I couldn't just be like, no, I don't want to talk now. <laughs> that we we, needed, we and, needed your expertise. Plus, yeah. it's just more fun to talk to someone about the game than just talk to myself about the game. Yeah, I don't blame you. So, hopefully, Game 4, it'll be more – I'll be more excited and we'll be one win away from an NBA championship. If not – I might come on here and be a little bit more disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no. I still think you guys are in a good just I, I said before, the only thing keeping me attached to the Bucks is that bad man wearing number 34. Yeah, he can give right. you 40 any given night. And yeah, that was the reason they won tonight. Because it's not like Middleton and Holiday were awesome. Holiday was bad and then got better. But it's not like yeah. they were like totally awesome in that game. Like it was... A blend of Giannis yeah. doing his thing, and you know maybe maybe he won't have a maybe he won't have a forty point game in game four, and you guys Hopefully. will end up being okay. Hopefully, um, but I'm I'm sticking to it. I said either Suns in four or Suns in six. Obviously, it won't be in four, so Suns in six. Suns in six. That's that sounds sounds kind of where I'm leaning right now. But also, I said Suns in five before this, and I don't know if I'm a. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe I'll hang on to that. We'll see how okay. game four goes. We'll see how yeah. game four goes. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it could go either way. Suns are going to yeah. win. So I'm not. I'm not <laughs> tied down to any one prediction right now. I'll, I'll wait and see how game four goes. Because again, I don't know if Giannis has 40 in him again. But if Giannis has, you know, 30 not. like he averaged in the playoffs, if he gives you a 30, is that going to be enough to win? If Devin Booker gives you a 30, I don't know. Maybe we'll if finally have a 30. The Bucks aren't going to win. That's how it goes. If that's your rule. If a son can get to 30, then. Yes. Yeah, that's how it's been the whole playoffs. All right. Well, you guys haven't played a player like Giannis, though. That's the one thing I will say. You guys may be 12 and 0 when you have a double digit lead, but I don't think you've ever played a player like Giannis yet. That's true. We'll see how uh, game four goes. I'm excited for it. Maybe we'll have a close one finally. Like maybe we'll have one that goes right down to the wire. I, I would love a 40-point win for the Suns. That would yeah, be that's my ideal game. Of course for game you would. Four. <laughs> of course. I mean, shocker of the century. Because he is House of Phoenix Suns, which you can follow on Instagram. And check in on his giveaways as well. If you want to try and win some cool stuff, they're giving that away during the finals. So uh, thank you again. And uh, we will chat again maybe one game away from an NBA Finals victory. But we said the same thing last time. So That is what we said, yep. All but right. either way, always a pleasure. Take care. Yes, absolutely. And thank you. So to wrap up this here podcast today, I want to revisit something that happened over the weekend that I just I can't shake from my mind because of multiple reasons that we'll get to, all of which are just funny. So Team USA, you know, when uh, we wrap sports in the flags every four but this time five years around the Olympics. Um, So the Team USA basketball team played their first exhibition in 116 degrees in Las Vegas, which is the first part that I would just like to acknowledge because it was 111 
where I live in Northern California, which is a 70-year record. And Team USA was playing in Las Vegas, you know, about four or five hours away, where it was 117 degrees, 116, 117, you know, depends on what the gauge says. Actually, at the time of recording this, it was about 107 degrees. So... Team USA had most of their stars, I won't say the entire team, but a starting lineup of Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Bam Adebayo, with Draymond Green coming in off the bench. And they played against Nigeria in their first exhibition as like a tune-up for the Olympics. And Team USA was down... One point in the third quarter, so I decided, you know what, let's tune in and see how this game is going on. And uh, what ends up happening is Nigeria just starts hitting three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer, and Kevin Durant shot two for 11 to start the game, including three straight misses in about a minute straight where Nigeria went on a 6-0 run to go up eight points on Team USA in the fourth quarter. And so in this moment, I did the one of the lowest brow memes I could make, which is just Kevin Durant's, um, you know, like he did the, the my next chapter thing. And for those who know this, we made that joke on Twitter and we went more viral than we've ever gone before on Twitter within like, uh, I want to say within 20 minutes, we had a hundred thousand views within an hour. We had 200,000 views And this is a Twitter account that has 46 followers. So it's not like our Instagram where we have about, you know, 49,102 followers, at least as the last time I checked, which you can increase that number by following comical sports memes and take it easy podcast. But so that went viral. Team USA ends up losing the game. And Nigeria, first of all, there's just so many fun stats from this and everything about it is funny from 116 degrees to going viral with one of the lowest brow memes we've done. All of it was just hilarious, just all of it. Excellent. And what ends up happening next, and I keep laughing about this all throughout, is just the team Nigeria roster, because this is the beauty of Olympic basketballs that a lot of these players are not, uh, you, know, you know, they talked about in 2012, Nigeria got beat 156 to 70 by the U.S. team. So it's not like they're getting run out of the building anymore. Like there's a lot of D1 college guys, undrafted players, second round picks who now play overseas, and a lot of players on NBA rosters. Like it's it's an interesting experiment in how good these guys actually are. And so I just want to laugh at the, Team USA roster, which uh, which had, by the way, they didn't have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, or or Devin Booker, but they also had six All Stars, five former All NBA players, Kevin Love for some weird reason, Kevin Love, um, and Team USA ends up losing to Nigeria, a team whose best player in the game was Mia Oni, Mia Oni was the 8th to 10th man on the Utah Jazz. Like, he played seven minutes a game in the playoffs for the Utah Jazz, and Gabe Vincent. Which, when I saw that roster, and I saw that Gabe Vincent was starting for the Nigeria team, and that Gabe Vincent had 
20 some odd points in the game. I just laughed because I'm like, you're telling me Gabe Vincent is Nigerian. Cause if you would have just gave me the name, like I knew he played for the Miami heat because um, when Miami had Goran Dragic get hurt and Duncan Robinson get hurt and Jimmy Butler was hurt at the start of the season and they had guys in COVID protocol, Gabe Vincent played minutes for the Nigerian team. I'm sorry. Gabe Vincent played for the Miami heat. Sorry. So I knew Gabe Vincent was an NBA player, but if you would have just asked me Gabe Vincent as a name, I would have told you Gabe Vincent was white. 100% would have told you Gabe Vincent is a white dude. And so I saw him playing for the Nigerian team. I'd never seen his face before. I just known his name in box scores and I let out an audible laugh. And I know a lot like profiling is wrong. Stereotyping is a real problem because it allows to perpetuate issues for people who aren't smart enough to recognize the humor in a lot of it. But at the same time, Gabe Vincent being on the Nigerian national team just made me laugh out loud because if you just give the name Gabe Vincent, you assume it's a white dude. And so Gabe Vincent ends up putting up 25 points on Team USA along with Mia Oni, the 10th man on the Utah Jazz, KJ Akapala, which I'd like to explain KJ Akapala's trajectory as an NBA player. KJ Akapala was on the Miami Heat as well as Precious Achua. Most people know Precious Achua because he was the 20th pick in the draft who Miami was going to trade for James Harden. So they've got the load management squad for the Miami Heat. Gabe Vincent, KJ Akpala, and Precious Achua, the load management squad for the Miami Heat. And KJ Akpala was traded to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for um, Namaja Bajialitsa at this trade deadline, like back in March. And so I, who live in just outside of Sacramento, went to this cool venue in Sacramento where they had a party atmosphere and they had outdoor dining and they opened the, the sides of the stadium so you could hear the sounds coming in from a Kings game. And the Kings were eliminated from the playoffs with four games left in the regular season. And that starting lineup included Mo Harkless and KJ Akpala for the worst franchise in the NBA. And the reason I said the worst franchise in the NBA is the Sacramento Kings is because they are the worst team in the NBA that's not actively trying to tank. So KJ Akpala, the 10th man on the Miami Heat and starter on the crappy Sacramento Kings, got to start for the Nigerian national team that beat Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and D Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green and also Jeremy Grant for some reason because that made me laugh that Jeremy Grant plays for the national team and wasn't like an alternate sub like Sadiq Bey and Darius Garland were alternates because uh, Chris Middleton and Devin Booker and um, Drew Holiday are playing in the finals. So those guys end up being alternates in there. But Jeremy Grant is legitimately on the Team USA, which, you know, Okay, <laughs> as the Tyler, the creator meme. Okay, um, I guess we're doing Jeremy Grant and Kevin Love on the national team now. But anyways, so KJ Akpala, Gabe Vincent, who I thought was a white dude until about, you know, two days ago. Precious Achua, who, you know, he's pretty good. Mia Oni, Josh Akogi, where Josh Akogi is famous for being the best teammate of Jimmy Butler's when Jimmy Butler and the third stringers 
beat the the starters for the Timberwolves at that legendary practice where Jimmy Butler may or may not have been wearing a Rolex while beating the starters for the Minnesota Timberwolves with the third stringers. So Josh Akogi, who's still on the Timberwolves, Georgia Tech, shout out Georgia Tech, uh, irrelevant franchise, or I'm sorry, irrelevant college sports teams, but Josh Akogi is also playing for this team. Jordan Nwora, I know he's in the NBA, couldn't tell you what team he plays for. My mind keeps saying Warriors, but I know he's in the NBA. Oh no, he's on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, he's on the, I know, that's why I knew Jordan Nwora. He's on the, the. He's on the garbage time lineup for the Milwaukee Bucks with Jordan Noira and um, uh, Sam Merrill, Justin Jackson. Remember Justin Jackson? He won a championship at North Carolina um, and Thanasis Anadokounmpo. So you've got him there. You've got Epeka Udo, who hasn't played in the NBA in five years, but used to play for the garbage Sacramento Kings. Chimuzi Metu who is a second round pick from USC, who also plays for the Sacramento Kings. So you've got like the G League Sacramento Kings and you've got the load management lineup for the Miami Heat and Mia Oni. And also Jalil Okafor, who can't even play on this team. But anyways, that team beat a Team USA roster with six All-Stars, five former All-NBA players, Kevin Love, Jeremy Grant, and... Yeah. Zach Levine is also on that team. Great job, Team USA. Thank you for helping me go viral with 200,000 interactions on Twitter. So this was a fun Saturday night. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday. Yes, and sometimes Wired Up on Sundays. We obviously didn't have a Wired Up this week, but be on the lookout for more Wired Up episodes coming out here. Make sure to follow, download, leave a five-star review. Maybe follow us on Twitter. You can find us now because we went viral. Just Google Kevin Durant and you just might find us. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for laughing along with me or for just bearing through the last 10 minutes of podcast. But enjoy your day and, of course, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.